Welcome to the Besties with Breasties podcast. Sarah Hall here. I am a certified health and wellness coach, athletic trainer, mom, and breast cancer survivor. I help women overcome their own mind drama to make mind shifts that open up the possibility for their most empowered and energetic life. And I am Beth Wilmus, author, speaker, and founder of a human investment organization, otherwise known as a nonprofit called Faith Through Fire. Our mission is to reduce the fear and anxiety that breast cancer patients feel and replace it with hope and a path toward thriving. This podcast is about our experiences with breast cancer and life after as young survivors and moms. Beth, your hair looks nice. <gasps> Thank you. Do you like it? I do. Yesterday I was a blonde. Today I'm a brunette. This is like a big change for you. You know yeah. what though? I I did you do this because your wig was brown? I did this because I was bored and I <laughs> decided that I needed <laughs> a change. A boredom and it's anti blonde. It's, it's fall, so I thought, well, um, and I'm I'm gonna be on the news tomorrow, and I'm like, why not just go on with brown hair? I don't nice. know. No one will recognize you. You'll be incognito. I know. I know. Nobody's going to know who I am. No, I, I had brown hair six years ago. I, I like to change my hair a lot. I haven't done it in a while. But so right before when I got diagnosed, I had blonde hair. And then I, you know, in preparation for chemo, yeah. I chopped it all off into a pixie. And then I dyed it brown. And then when I got my wig, I was like, well, if I'm going to have to get a wig, I'll get the hair I never had, which mm-hmm. was very long thick and brown it was beautiful it was yeah you had a pretty but wig. I, I wore it once and then <laughs> <laughs> realized this is for the birds it's too hot and itchy it, yeah and i ended up wearing a baseball cap basically all the time or a scarf but yeah so i was like well maybe we'll just go back to that color yeah it yeah. looks so nice well thank you yeah. i appreciate it i like it yeah, yeah i mean you know it's just my life is so mundane now that i this get this is a big change this is a bit like this is exciting for me it's like i would say your life is not mundane you don't think so no feels very like Groundhog Day sometimes. Really? Uh, Maybe not. I mean, I think you need to look at somebody who works in an office. (laughs) (laughs) You and I do not have the same day ever. No, that's true. That's true. We don't have the same day ever. Uh, But you know what? I think that's my ADD talking. Yeah, I have a very high bar when it comes to like, you you know, change. Bing, 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 (laughs) bing, bing. She's the human equivalent of what's the game where you push the buttons and it. Oh, the ping pong? Ping pong. Ping. No, it's not a pe- ping bong. Uh, pe- Paintball? Pinball. Pinball. Thank when you. When two people with chemo brain are yeah. trying to talk. Ping bong. <laughs> ping bong, ping bong, ping bong. Yeah. Yeah, that's her. She's just in human form. Good grief. All right. Yeah. Can we get serious now? Yeah, let's get serious. Let's get serious. Yeah. We're going to have a doctor on. We need to be yeah. serious, oh, yeah. right? Serious. So we are going to be talking to Dr. Trina Ebersol, and she is a plastic surgeon and assistant professor of surgery at Washington University St. Louis School of Medicine. She specializes in aesthetic surgery and breast reconstruction. Dr. Ebersol is on the podcast today to talk about aesthetic flat closure. So we've already spoken to a patient about aesthetic flat closure, and we thought it would be really good to follow that up with a doctor in St. Louis that's performing the procedure. And aesthetic flat closure is just a form of reconstruction surgery for women who opt to stay flat after breast cancer and want a very smooth contoured look after their surgery. So today we're going to talk about aesthetic flat closure, what it is. We're going to talk about barriers to receiving AFC or aesthetic flat closure from surgeons or plastic surgeons. And then considerations for the procedure and how to feel empowered to find a surgeon who can provide you the look you desire. So before we do that, let's hear from our first sponsor. Hair loss is consistently ranked as one of the most feared side effects of chemotherapy treatment. The emotional impact chemo hair loss can have on patients has been well documented. 
Scalp cooling is a simple treatment that can prevent hair loss caused by certain chemotherapy drugs. The use of scalp cooling is proven to be effective in preventing chemotherapy-induced alopecia and can result in people retaining much of their hair. Paxman is the global leader in scalp cooling. Their cold cap is scientifically proven to reduce hair loss during chemotherapy. If you are facing cancer treatment and concerned about losing your hair, ask your provider about scalp cooling and visit our website at www.coldcap.com. All right, and we're back. Thank you so much, Dr. Ebersell, for being here. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. I think aesthetic flat closure is actually a pretty common thing that a lot of women ask for. But That's amazing because I'll be honest, I had the hardest time finding a plastic surgeon in St. Louis who, who was saying that they did them. So I'm, I'm, I was going to say, I feel like a lot of people don't necessarily talk about it, though, for whatever reason. Really? Okay. Well, yeah. I was thrilled when I found out you do this surgery and, and could come on and talk about it. So can you kind of explain what aesthetic flat closure is for women that maybe not maybe aren't familiar with it? Yeah, and there's a lot of women, I think, as you guys know, and your listeners know, it's a personal decision and women come to the office for different types of reconstruction. I think just knowing that it is an option is something that many people don't necessarily realize when they come in to see. I think just because you're getting so much information from so many different doctors. So just knowing that it is an option in terms of your reconstruction after the mastectomy. So basically, it's not just a closure because once they do the mastectomy, even for different body types and chest types, you'll have different amounts of excess skin. And so basically an aesthetic flat closure, the goal is to achieve basically a flat contoured look and kind of delineate the skin that way. I think most plastic surgeons do offer it if it's what the patient wants, but there's still a lot that goes into creating the look of the aesthetic flat closure. And from patient to patient, that's a little bit different. And you can still get it even if you have had implants or a different type of reconstruction and you decide, you know, later for whatever reason, you don't necessarily want that and want an aesthetic flat closure. There's just different considerations that go into that versus if you do it from the get-go. I think that's something that's important to know about. The other thing that I also think is important is that your breast before the mastectomy kind of camouflage your chest shape and your sternum to a certain extent. And so when people, when women come in wanting an aesthetic flat closure, oftentimes I just kind of warn them a little bit. I kind of take a look at their chest wall itself, like underneath the breast tissue as best as I can. And sometimes they have what we call pectus excavatum or perinatum that's kind of camouflaged by breast tissue. Mm -hmm. And the reason I bring that up is it's actually fairly common that your chest and sternum area isn't totally flat, but it's actually a little more angled than what people expect. And so you can change the skin and kind of the thickness of the skin to a certain extent, but you can't totally change the underlying bony structure. So that's just something to know. And the other thing is most breasts, as I'm sure you guys have heard, are slightly, they're quote unquote sisters, not twins. So they're similar, not identical. And that also becomes more apparent during an aesthetic flat closure. But there's things that we can do to try to make it definitely more symmetric and things like that. And there's different papers about it, but one of the things to make it more flat and less loose skin is we kind of try to 
make the fold of your breast become more flat or kind of what we call obliterate it, but basically make it more smooth with your abdominal skin. And the other thing is kind of make the central area more flat and the lateral area more flat as well. I, I think what you're saying is really interesting because I think that it's really nice when women are set up for, you know, for success, for success yeah. right? And and success can look like just having a realistic expectation of what to expect, is, when, they what to expect mm-hmm. when they wake up, right? So I think yeah. that that's so important. And I think that goes a long way with, with women that are, you know, experiencing the trauma of breast cancer. It's just, there's so much unknown, right? And so anytime yeah. you can set them up by saying, here are the things that we might encounter, here's how your chest wall could affect what you're going after, it's going to feel like they're part of the process and not just kind of this victim, right, of circumstance. So I think that's so critical. And I really appreciate you going into the different anatomical differences in women's bodies, because Mm -hmm. not everybody's going to look the same. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's really, really valuable to bring up. What are you seeing in your practice and regarding women that want to go flat? I mean, is it or, or I mean, I, just generally speaking, because it feels to Sarah and I like more and more women are looking at this as an option than reconstruction, you know, more so than in the past. Do you see that as well or no? Yeah, I think more people are asking about it than before. Whereas before people, like, I think it's just important to know that it's an option. Whereas before when I used to bring it up, people didn't necessarily like they didn't necessarily consider it, you know, mm-hmm. they were just like, okay, move on to the next thing, which is, mm-hmm, yeah, you know, what else can you offer? Whereas I think now people are more, or women, I don't know if they just know about it a little bit more. And so they're, I have a theory. I think it's because when you don't know what you don't know, you think that having reconstruction is, I mean, like a lot of people who haven't dealt with breast cancer, they think it's going to be like a boob job. Yeah. So, and, yeah. They, and they're just looking at it like, okay, well, give me back what I'm losing. Yeah. But a lot yeah. of women are realizing, you know, that either after the fact and they're choosing to take their implants out or they're just realizing after they have their surgery that it's not at all the same, mm-hmm. that there can be a lot of complications, a lot of issues, the aesthetics aren't what they expected. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's becoming more of an option because women are realizing that you can't replace what you lost. You're not going yeah. to get back, you know, what breast cancer took from them, you know, physically. And so I think it's just an awareness of, you know, what's really possible. And then, you know, I don't know. I mean, that's yeah. that's what I think. What do you think, Sarah? I mean, I agree. I think people are now searching more and more. I mean, people are putting themselves out there a little bit more. And so when you search breast cancer, lots of different types of images come up as far as what reconstruction or options for mastectomy and what reconstruction can look like. And when you kind of filter through all that, especially when you can lay eyes on your options on the other side of surgery, it can really dictate, I think, how you approach your decisions. Mm-hmm. I agree. I mean, I, I, I always joke about how much I hate social media, but uh, you, yeah, I mean, to your point, women are, you know, in these private groups and things being very transparent yeah. about what they like, what they don't like, yeah. what they expected, what they got, yeah. you know, and I think that does help women make decisions yeah. that they weren't making before. So interesting. Yeah. Even on like Instagram, like, you know, the algorithm shows you on the- <laughs> yeah like you know it'll show you if that's what you're looking for yeah, like, you search breast cancer that. once and that's yeah. all you see <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah and so I feel like even there actually I think because more women are getting aesthetic pla- or asking about it that mm-hmm. there are popular like 
account, not accounts, they're women, but yeah. that kind of advocate for why they did what they did and yeah. like their story. And I think that is maybe also another. Um, I think one of my, my favorite things is to meet a woman who, you know, I look at just this, the same as me and she is very much like we've been through the same breast cancer experience and then I've known her for a long time and then I'll find out she's flat and I'm like, wait a second, how did I not know that? Like, and I don't know why I feel like that. It doesn't change my opinion of her, but I feel like I feel that she's almost like more empowered and I look to her like in a different way. Do you? Why? Because she made a choice that's different than yours yeah, and you guys I, had the same thing and yeah, exactly. she just wasn't very vocal about it? or Maybe. Maybe because I see so many women being like, look, I chose this and I'm like showing off my chest and it's this thing. And then I look at all breast cancer patients, I guess in the same way that when I grew up, I look at everybody and I'm like, we're all the same age. <laughs> you know, it, it feels like the equal playing field until I look at somebody. And I mean, it's crossed my mind to go flat in many different occasions. I, I think so like, then when I meet somebody who's like, I've, I'm flat and I'm like, oh, I could like draw from your experience a little. Like, tell me what it's like. And, I think you and I are always interested in people's stories, especially totally. when they choose something different than what we did, because yeah. it is empowering. It is like, so empowering. I find it empowering when I meet women that are making different choices than, than yeah. I make and I learn from them yeah. and I, I feel empowered by them because if they can do it, I can do it. Mm -hmm. And so I think it does kind of Send, yeah. send that message yeah. right but also I, I just I mean women who are flat they have like <laughs> that's the thing when you go down that rabbit hole I mean they'll talk about all the different ways they disguise the fact some mm -hmm. of them are just flat and proud and they don't yeah they don't try to hide it right. at all like they openly yeah. other people are more discreet about it they want to wear patterns mm -hmm. you know that kind of trick the eye and they'll they'll go to some length or they'll wear prosthetics depending on where they're going yeah. or what they're doing they'll go to some length to kind of disguise it because mm -hmm. I mean really at the end of the day who wants to talk about their chest with other people yeah I mean yeah I mean whether yeah. you have reconstruction or not yeah. like that's just yeah. not something that you go into conversations yeah. with so I I totally yeah. get it but I think that's really interesting yeah before we talk about kind of barriers to this procedure can we do boobs in the news let's do boobs in the news boobs in the news is a fun segment where we read funny tweets by real people or ridiculous news stories boobs in the news Fibs in the news. All right. <laughs> this person, this comes from the mirror. M oh, the that's from the mirror lately. The last yeah, episode was yeah, from the mirror. Yeah, okay. I, I, I pulled from the mirror for the, the last few episodes. So, mirror is like UK, right? Mm -hmm. oh, okay. Yeah. So she says that the name of it, it says, My neighbor has nine cars parked in front of my house, oh. and my response cost them $90,000. So, her response? Her response, like her her revenge oh gotcha okay, okay so okay. so basically the gist of it is is that the, the neighbors got nine cars that uh -huh. they park in front of their house and uh -huh. it's really annoying and you know i mean yeah. i don't know if you i don't know how you feel about this but in my neighborhood everybody parks on the street despite mm -hmm. having fully functional garages yeah and it drives me crazy yeah it's like why i don't know because yeah. because there's so many cars yeah it's not well know, it's because we're in the day and age where like if you have a family of four and then you got two like if your kids grow up to you got two di drivers then you quite easily already have four cars and then if somebody happens to have like oh I, a I show get it. car now you got five cars i get and, it and we know, live yeah. in a chill neighborhood so people don't get uptight about that stuff like we're not one of those like affluent fancy neighborhoods where they're like oh the the rules say you can't have any yeah, car like yeah. you know some people live in those neighborhoods yeah. where you can't have a car on the street no, but nine, nine seems excessive. That's quite a lot. That's a lot. I mean, yeah. I might start getting a little bit ticked at nine. So anyway, she dealt with it for a long time, but then essentially they were doing an addition on their house, mm -hmm. like the people that had the nine cars. Mm -hmm. And she basically called the city and said, I don't think they have permits. 
and they got fined. Nine, like they had to tear it down, and it cost them basically. I mean, nine. that was kind of an a hole revenge. I know. I mean, I don't. Think- my question, maybe this is the nice person in me to be like, has she gone over there and been like, hey, you have nine cars? And this that's is that's my question. Before, before she just before cost she them 90K. like. I mean that that's the equivalent of being one of those jerks on 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 um, social media that just says all the mean nasty comments, but would never do it to their face. Yeah, it's like instead of going Ugh, to your neighbor and saying, hey, you know, a lot of cars. Can we do something about this? She just like. Yeah. Yeah, she told on them about their addition. They had to tear it all down. Yeah. And it cost them like $90,000. Oh. So I think the boob, the boob is, is her. Is her. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I don't it's think sad. that was, no. I don't think that was nice. Yeah, that's not nice. Anyway, there's your boobs in the news. Yep. Be kind. Yes. Be good human. <laughs> boobs in the news. Boobs in the news. Boobs in the news. All right, so we're back. So it sounds to me like you're saying that there are a lot of plastic surgeons that know how to do aesthetic flat closure. It's just really about the patient kind of being empowered to bring it up if their surgeon doesn't bring it up to them. Is that fair or? Yeah, and I think even, I think part of the thing is when your breast cancer is found, then it's, you know, you get sent to a breast surgeon who then refers you to a plastic surgeon. So I think by the time they like women get to you they've just been considering Mm -hmm. different kinds and they don't necessarily know but I do think people will talk about it like you don't necessarily if a woman is seeing her breast surgeon and she knows she wants to go flat is the breast surgeon always pulling in a plastics person or are they taking the lead on the the closure themselves if the woman's flat like what's the protocol on that or does it vary doctor by doctor I think that varies more doctor by doctor, but also is patient, definitely patient driven. Like you don't necessarily need a plastic surgeon to do an aesthetic flat closures. There's definitely a lot of breast surgeons that are good at, you know, aesthetic flat closures, but then some of them don't necessarily want to. And that I think also varies by geography within the U.S. as well. But I think if if a woman wants it and wants a plastic surgeon to do it and asks for it, I think it's very common. I spoke to one when I was doing research for these episodes. I spoke to one plastic surgery office that was a private practice, and they said they would never do aesthetic flat closures because the reimbursement's so low. We had a guest prior to you that is the founder of a nonprofit called Not Putting on a Shirt, and she said that part of their advocacy is trying to get those reimbursement rates up so that more doctors are willing to offer it. Do you see reimbursement being a barrier to more women having access to this procedure? Yeah, I mean, it definitely gets lower reimbursed than compared to other types of reconstruction. But I think that's, you know, from my, this is just like my personal decision, but that's partially why I also practice at an academic institution. So it's not. She did say that. She said that the academic institutions are going to be much more prone to doing things that appeal to women's quality of life and to Mm. procedures like aesthetic flat closure, which so for you out there listening, if you're having trouble, you know, if your plastic surgeon's private practice and they're saying that they don't offer it, the academic institutions might be a good place to go to, you know, to try to find it. So other problems that patients might encounter in terms of in terms of this procedure, it was interesting, our previous guest had a very specific experience where she asked for a flat contour, and then she woke up with extra skin, which her surgeon specifically left 
in case she changed her mind. Do you think flat denial is a, a systemic issue or do you feel like that's pretty rare? And, you know, what can patients do to really make sure that they and their surgeon are on the same page? Because Sarah and I talk about this all the time, but when you're traumatized and you're doing all these things at once, things just kind of fall through the cracks because you're just not feeling very empowered. <laughs> so <laughs> what do you think about that situation? What can patients do? And Yeah, I think that that's kind of hard. I think you always, and I know it's hard because it's such a difficult time in life, but always just advocating for yourself. And then also just trying to gauge if you and your plastic surgeon or your surgeon doing it are on the same page and they kind of understand what you want. Like you do see them more than once and you definitely see them before the surgery and just reinforcing like, this is what I want. The only thing I'll say is that Sometimes <clears throat> right after the mastectomy, um, the skin does take kind of like a hit because you're taking all the, not only are you taking breast tissue with the mastectomy, but you're taking the blood supply and the nerves and everything in the breast tissue. Mm -hmm. So I don't know her exact situation by any means, but sometimes people will leave skin just to, if it looks like the part that they like say they were taking extra skin and it would have looked perfectly flat then, but then that flat skin looked a little purple from the surgery. And from my standpoint, like purple is a kind of a bad thing because I want the skin to heal really mm -hmm. well. Mm -hmm. So that would be a reason why I would potentially leave it, but I would kind of talk to them about why mm -hmm. before and after. And it's not, the hard part is, is it's, that's not your goal necessarily. But afterwards, I would definitely talk to the patient about why I left it, if that ever happened. Mm -hmm. The hard part is some of it, to that extent, depends on how the skin looks after the mastectomy. Mm -hmm. Just to play devil's advocate from a surgeon's perspective, that being said, I do think, you know, if you didn't want to be, obviously, you don't want extra skin when you're looking for an aesthetic flat closure. And so I think just making sure you talk to your plastic surgeon and it feels like they understand you is important because I think a lot of women don't necessarily know that they can go to someone else or go. Mm -hmm. That's who they were referred to, but you do have a choice. You can go to whoever you feel comfortable yeah. with. Yeah. That's for like all, all parts of medicine too. We, and we talk about providers all the time saying that like, you really have to feel like you're on the same page. And if you walk out and you get this like gut reaction of like, I don't feel like they are hearing me or they don't. Like, I don't know, you, you kind of know when you're clicking with your provider. I mean, and if the, you don't feel that way, then find another provider. Well, so, so many women, I'm shocked by this, honestly, because when, and, and part of it, I didn't get second opinions for every step of my journey no. because you're so exhausted and mentally fatigued and you're just wanting to get it over with and do it. And you don't want to delay, you know, so many women are scared about delaying mm -hmm. anything because they don't want the cancer to grow, even though that's not really an issue. But, you know, I mean, yeah. Like, yeah. in the time frame we're talking about. But I'm, I'm amazed, you know, I'll talk to people who are not happy and I'm like, well, where are you getting your second opinion? And they're like, oh, I'm not. I, I don't want to make my doctor feel bad. And oh, it, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I'm like, oh, sister friend. They well, don't. But see, I think that there is a, an interesting dance because especially, I guess, in a more of a metropolitan area, you've got breast surgeons that only work with two or three different plastic surgeons. And if you're in within a hospital system, like I've had somebody like even somebody I'm mentoring right now, she loves her breast surgeon, but she doesn't like the the plastic surgeon that they work with. And 
So she, oh, she that's interesting. you know, you're kind of boxed in by like, OK, do I either go with a breast surgeon that I really like and only halfway like my plastic surgeon or do I find a plastic surgeon I like that works with a breast surgeon that I like or do I split up my surgeries? I mean, now you're you're into a whole different like, which is exhausting and mentally fatiguing. Exactly. And that's why everybody. Do- so what do you, like, what do you think about done? Yeah, I was going to say, what do you think about that, Dr. Ebersole? Is that is that fairly accurate? Are, are the breast surgeons and the plastics kind of paired up? <laughs> To a certain extent, I think not as much in academic places, because I think, but there's definitely people you will work with more often just because of your, honestly, purely because of location. Like I operate at certain places and those areas just have one breast surgeon. Mm -hmm. That's kind of the hard part about that. But that being said that you can, I mean, the hard part is you could drive 20 minutes, but if it's easier for you to go to this place and that's where you're like breast surgeon and oncologist and radiation oncologist is like, why would you go somewhere else? But I do, it's not necessarily a pairing, but it is like, you know, there's definitely people like you definitely work with certain breast surgeons or breast surgeons work with certain plastic surgeons just because they kind of have their flow together if that makes sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's yeah. just something for women to be aware of. Right. I mean, yeah. like Sarah said, yeah. it does present a little bit of a quagmire if you like one. And <laughs> I think you know. the other hard thing that you guys mentioned is by the time you get to a plastic surgeon, I think you've had so many consults with so many people <laughs> yeah. and then you're just like, do I even really care? But you yeah. know, you, you do care, but I think when when you care is when the dust settles and you're in survivorship and then you're like uh i would have done this different and this different but at the time when you're just running around like a crazy person that's that's the hard part so it's it's a dance and you just got to figure that out so okay well interesting before we wrap up let's hear from our second sponsor Innsbruck Resort is a proud sponsor of the Faith Through Fire Respite House and the Besties with Breasties podcast. We know you work hard, but at Innsbruck, we also know you want to disconnect from what's stressing you out and reconnect with the important things in your life. Innsbruck makes it easy by offering lakefront living and vacationing less than 45 minutes from St. Louis. Vacation homes, golf, swimming, nature trails, fun events, and more. Take a drive and discover Innsbruck. Visit Innsbruck.com dashresort.com. And we're back. So Dr. Ebersole, do you have any last advice? Where, First of all, where can women find you? Because you do aesthetic flat closure. This is a procedure that more and more women are asking us about. So where can they find you? And then any last advice for women that are considering the procedure? My Instagram uh, is at PlasticsMD. But in terms of my office, I have clinic both at Barnes West County and at Barnes St. Peter's. So you guys can look me up on the WashU website for Washington University in St. Louis School of Medicine and book an appointment online or through the phone through there if you want to. And then the last thing that I just wanted to mention, if it's okay, just because sure. there's women who are considering an aesthetic flat closure after having their breast reconstruction previously. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a different kind of treatment algorithm in my in mind because implants or previous even treatment from breast cancer with radiation can thin the skin to a certain extent. And that's just something to know that other parts of your treatment can affect the aesthetic flat closure. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's just one thing that is kind of patient to patient dependent, but just finding someone that knows and understand your history and knows kind of what they can offer you, 
each patient's different. So it's a little bit hard to just contextualize everything on one episode, but (laughs) totally. Yeah. 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 I mean, the bottom line is, is that, yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. If you've already had reconstruction, you're considering explant, but you've had radiation, that's radiated skin. That always opens you up for complications yeah. or other considerations. So super important to have that consultation, that one-on-one discussion with mm-hmm. your doctor and just tell them what you know, tell them what you want. And then they're going to tell you what they feel like they can realistically give you. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. then you can choose to go that route or you can get a second opinion. But ultimately, we just wanted women to know that it's available mm-hmm. and that you're providing this service. And we really appreciate you being on. For sure. Yeah, thank you guys so much for having me. Absolutely. Until next time, guys. See ya. Thank you for listening to the Besties with Breasties podcast. Leave us a voicemail or share your own experience on bestieswithbreastiespodcast.com. And don't forget to leave a five-star review. This episode was hosted by Sarah Hall and Beth Wilmes. Audio and production edits by Innovative Frequencies. 